Welcome to the Vineyard. We're glad to have you here with us this morning. Um, for once in my life, I'm going to stand on this stage and tell you, man, I'm exhausted. I am so tired this morning. I don't know how you're feeling, but um, you know, we don't arrive at what are we going to do on Sunday morning when there's a weather um, lightly. Um, I was up literally every single hour looking out the window to see what the road was doing, checking the uh, closings on um, um, WKYT to see who was, comparing and, and saying, Lord, Lord, is it getting bad enough? What are we supposed to be doing? Um, are we even supposed to have a service today? And for me personally, it always comes down to, um, I, I err on the side of we're going to have a service, be careful, um, take care of yourself, but this is what we were called to do. This is what I'm called to. And, and I believe that the Lord has something to say to us this morning. And I want to not let the devil um, interfere with what's going on. Um, and what I feel like the Lord is going to do to build a little steam coming into the beginning of 2022. Um, as we look at this thing and as we anticipate, hey, it's supposed to rain a little bit, it's supposed to snow a little bit. You know, so many times in Kentucky, we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. They said it's going to rain, it's going to snow. You know, they cancel school like a week early and, you know, um, we can't send the buses out and it never does that. Well, guess what? They got it right last week, right? Excuse my voice. They got it right last week. So this week I'm like, be careful, tread lightly. Don't make any statements like, yeah, they always get it wrong because they got it right last week and they got it right in a really, really, really big way. And so when we uh, came to the decision, when I prayed about it and said, Lord, what do we do? Um, and, I, and I asked for some advice. It was just like, you know what? Let's have our 930 service. We'll put it online. We'll put the 1115 online one more time. So that there's regular church for people that don't want to get out, that want to be careful. Um, and then we're just going to be careful going home. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be real careful going home. But I want to share this message with you. And I just want to, I, I just want to invite you to begin to say to yourself already, Okay, Lord, I weathered the storm. I weathered, you know, and, and I'm here. What do you have to say to me? Because I am somebody that believes that God wants to speak to you. So let's just have a word of prayer. Father, as we come before you right now, we thank you for this morning. <clears throat> we thank you for your word. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for whatever it is you want to do in our lives right now. And we just ask and pray, Father, that you bring glory and honor to yourself in the midst of all of this. And we ask and pray that uh, our own lives would be changed and that you would begin to, uh, to do things that uh, prepare us to reach out and make a difference in central Kentucky over the next year should you tarry. We thank you for this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So I was thinking about this message for a while and anticipating doing all of January with just messages that I just wanted to preach before we got into anything. But uh, th this, is this, this is this morning. When I say the word church to you, what goes through your mind? What is it that you immediately think of when I say church? I mean, do you think of, you know, grandma's little white church up the holler, and this is where we went, and, and Brother Bill, whatever his name was there, every single Sunday morning, and man, you could count on him, and oh, you know, well, we fell asleep in the pew, but it was okay because it was still good, and we know that Sister Mary, whatever her name was, she's going to get up, and she's going to say something every single time, and you know, we have these ideas of what church is. When I say church, what comes to your mind? Do you think, oh, wow, you know, there's this great big giant church over here, or there's this little brick church over here, or this little white clapboard church over here? Is that what you begin to think of? Because the church is not the building. You say, well, the church isn't the mall. We know that, right? But it's not the building. 
And so as we start off this new year, I've been asking myself, you know, just some questions about Vineyard. And it's like, well, what do we want to see happen? Where do we, uh, what do we want to do this year? Where do we want to go this year? And I think those are questions that you can begin to ask yourself as well. I think uh, as you start a new year without making, you know, big giant resolutions that you feel like you're going to fail, um, that there's a place where you can just say, you know, do some planning. What are the things that we want to do? Maybe you've already been thinking, hey, you know what? We know we want to go on vacation this year. We want to go here. Or, hey, we're looking at uh, selling our house and buying a new place. Or, hey, um, I'm looking at a job change or a promotion. Or maybe there's things going on in your life where you're just like at that place where you're like, okay, this is a time to say, what would you like to see happen in 2022 if the Lord tarries? What do we want to do this year? And for my wife and I, one of the things that we always pop up with is, where do we want to go this year? We like to travel. We just have, we don't have the motorcycle to travel anymore, and that's fine. But it doesn't mean we're not going to travel. We are still going to travel and go places. And so on our bucket list for 2022, hopefully, yes, please bless us, Lord, with this, we want to go see Rocky Mountain National Park. I've never been to Rocky Mountain National Park in my life. And it's like, I want to go to Rocky Mountain National Park. I wanted to do it for 20 years on a motorcycle, but we're past that. So we'll do it with the top down, and we'll just have a wonderful time, and we'll go see. So we're kind of planning. And sometimes we need to stop, and we need to say, hey, what do we want to be? What do we want to do as a church? You ever stop and think about that? Oh, yeah, we got to go to church. Pastor Joe's giving us the guilt trip on you know, Instagram, so we better get out to bed, and we better go to church. Jesus died for us, so can't we get out to bed? Yeah, I don't know. Isn't that crazy? Not that I um, you know, like put the guilt trip on you with that, but, but it, I, a pastor once said that, and it became his quote for his sermon. You know, Jesus died on a cross for you. Can't, can't you get out of bed on Sunday and come to church? I mean, seriously. And it's, that's what went through my mind this morning when I was making the post. And then when I made it, it was like, oh, that's going to hurt a little bit, you know? So if you're at home and you're like, I'm not ever coming back to the vineyard because you did that. It's like, I'm, it's been nice knowing you. I'm sorry. Welcome to the vineyard. You know, um, sometimes things just come out of my mouth. And I know some of you are like, sometimes we wish they wouldn't. I know. I get it. I get it. Okay. But this is what the Lord has to work with. And as one, one meme put it, the Lord factored in my stupid. And so here I am. You know, he called me and that's what we're going to do. But think about this. When I planted this church, one of the main things that I wanted to do that I was interested in was community. You know, there's a lot of churches out there, and with all due respect to what they're doing, I've been to churches where Sunday morning was all Star Wars themed, and it was the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. And I've been to churches where um, they were uptight, and they were buttoned up all the way to here, and the men were sitting over there, and the women were sitting over there, and you better not like, make eyes at each other, and you better not breathe in each other's direction. So I've been at, you know, all of these extremes. And when somebody says, hey, you know, Joe, we want you to plant a church for us. Would you consider doing it? You begin to say, yeah, but what is it that I'd like to do? God, if I was to, uh, given free reign, and that's pretty much what happened. It's like, hey, the Lord said, Joe, I want you to plant the vineyard. I want you to plant it in Richmond. I want you to do it with these people. And this is the deal. What is it that you want to do? And, and, and I mean, I wanted to feed people and I want to do that. And, and, and it just came down to, I want to be in the word. I want to worship, and I want to build a sense of community. I don't want to build a, a group of people that want to go to church. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to, I don't want to build a Sunday morning show where the next show next week has to be better than the show last week. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to bring, build a show full of, hey, let's just keep bringing in outside speakers so much that we get all famous people or whatever it is. No, no, no. I want to build a community of people. 
that can interact and love on and care for and take care of each other. And it was amazing to me um, to listen to Jack's sermon last week when we were um, in lockdown that uh, this is what he was preaching about. That we look um, um, out in our community to see what we can do, but we also need to not overlook our church community. So I was interested in creating a, a community of people that were looking for Jesus, okay, that were loving like Jesus, and that were living for Jesus. That's what I wanted to do. What does it mean for you right now to take a look at your life at the beginning of the year and dream of Jesus' return and say, am I looking for Jesus? In my heart, am I hungry for the presence of God? Am I hungry to have God interact with me? And, and you know, so many times if you were to ask me that question and I was sitting in the chair over there, I would say, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm hungry for Jesus to interact with me. But here's the question. Are you hungry for Jesus to interact with you? Because I, I promise you, so many times when Jesus does interact with us, it costs us something. And I'm not just talking about our money. I'm, I'm talking about it changes our lives. It changes the direction of our focus. It changes what we thought was going to happen in our lives. It really does. It really does. And not in a bad way. It's not awful. But there is that. And then, are we going to love like Jesus? Are we going to welcome everybody that walks in the door and, and, and just say, hey, if you're looking for Jesus, you're welcome here. We don't celebrate anybody's any kind of sin here. What we celebrate is that Jesus paid the price for it so we don't have to sin any longer. As Jesus told the woman caught in the act of adultery, hey, you don't have to do this anymore. Now go and leave your life of sin because I'm not here to condemn you. And God hasn't given us permission to throw rocks at anybody. He's given us permission to give people an invitation to come away from sin. And that's what we want to do. And I want to build a community that's that. But as I was thinking about community, I was thinking about the passage I want to share with you. I was thinking... Community's not always good the way we think of good. Community's not always easy the way we think of easy. And certainly, community is not always safe the way we think of safe. Does that make sense to you? You know, I was thinking about that when I loved, I remembered, and I love the quote that came from C.S. Lewis in this Narnia series, um, when somebody asked um, somebody about uh, Aslan. Aslan is a, is a metaphor for God in that, uh, that, that book series for children and adults, let's just be honest. Um, and, and so, you know, he asked a question about, is, is Aslan safe? And the answer was, who said anything about safe? Um, of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And I love that quote. I'm not here to tell you that God is safe. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that in my personal life, my God has been incredibly loving and incredibly unsafe. He wrecked my whole world. I was just a kid who was a filthy, awful sinner, raised in a filthy, awful environment, and, and Jesus got a hold of my life, and I tried to work out my salvation, and I couldn't earn it. I couldn't be good enough. And I, and I had to come and say, you know what? I need your grace, God. It's just your grace. And then I, I started doing contracting, and I was so excited because I was making some money. I was buying my first motorcycle with cash. It was great. And then the Lord said, okay, I want you to go into the ministry. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to go to church. I just want to be a good Christian, and I'm going to make money. 
And he said, and I want you to go into the ministry. And it's like, man, there was nothing safe about my interacting with God. It was like, oh, man, I was finally hitting my stride. And I've come to believe that, man, set me loose in the real world, if, if I can call where you live, okay? I don't consider my world the real world. I consider your world the real world. But turn me loose in your world, and I can make some money. It's like, yeah, and the Lord said, okay, that's not my plan for you. My plan for you is to love people and introduce them to the love that you received and be a part of community. And it was like, wow, I'm here to tell you that God is not safe, but I'm telling you he's good and it is worth it. There's a passage that I want to share with you from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by Luke, who's trying to convince his uh, friend Theophilus that following after Jesus is the most important thing that you could do. And he's showing him all the proof texts that really honestly happened. And from chapter 16 on, Luke was actually physically a part of it. But before that, he had to do some research and tell you the story. But I want to take you to chapter 5, and I want to talk about community. Is community important? It is important for us to be a part of the church. So you've got this story where Peter and John end up in prison because they've been preaching the gospel, and um, what they're really preaching is the resurrection from the dead. And the Sadducees appear to be in control of the, um, um, the, the theocracy, the, the theological leadership of the community, if, if you'll let me do that, okay? And they don't like that because the Sadducees do not believe that there's a resurrection from the dead. And Peter and John are out there preaching Jesus crucified for your sins and raised from the dead. And that raised from the dead is the cornerstone of our hope and our salvation. And so they decided they're going to put them in jail. So they put them in jail. Um, they're preaching around the temple area. They're in jail for a while. They end up coming out. And then um, at the end of chapter 4, Luke begins to say, hey, and all of the believers had everything in common. And from time to time, not all the time, from time to time, somebody who had some extra lands or extra houses or things like that would sell that, bring the money, put it at the disciples' feet, and they would distribute it and use it to minister to people, the poor people in and around Jerusalem, um, to see that they were fed and, and things like that. And so that's the, that's the lead-up to what's going on. That idea that people were bringing um, the money from the sale of possessions and laying at the disciples' feet. And something was going on in the community of faith while that was taking place. So let me just read um, through verse 14 in Acts chapter 5. It's going to show up behind me, but you can follow along if you brought your Bible. If you brought your Bible. You might want to bring your Bible this, um, this year. But if you brought your Bible, you can follow along. If not, it's always going to show up up there. Okay, I think I beat that horse to death, okay? All right, let's do that. So, uh, chapter 5, book of Luke. Uh, excuse me, book of Acts. Luke is writing. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Remember, they were selling property. And that's where he's leading into this next chapter. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said to Ananias, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept, some of the, um, uh, kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? And, and this is the important part of this whole discourse with Ananias. Look at what it says. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? I mean, you need to grab a hold of that. Wasn't it yours to do with whatever you wanted? Wasn't it, was it, wasn't it yours before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Wasn't it your money to do with whatever you wanted? It's yours, Ananias. 
It was your land, and, and it was your money when you sold it. It says, uh, what made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear, and this is the important part, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Three hours later, she's at Walmart. She's out shopping for some hummus. I'm not sure. But she's out there three hours later. Three, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her and said, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, this is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will also carry you out. Carry you out. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband, and great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Let me go on for just a second because we're coming into some, some other stuff. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Simon's colonna uh, Solomon's colonnade. Not, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless... More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And it goes on to say that um, people were healed because and, and, they were brought to Peter and John and, and uh, you know, they, they would lay them there and let Peter's shadow um, fall on them as they went by. And there's, there's some legend, but it's born in some kind of truth. And so it's there. And so you've got this, this story. Now, long before I moved to Kentucky, Michael W. Smith wrote a song called Kentucky Rose. I don't know if you're familiar with that song. It's an amazing song. I absolutely love the song. I was in western Oklahoma and fell in love with the song. And the song is about everything that I used to think a pastor really was. Standing beside the little white church with the bell up in the tower, greeting people as they came in, wearing a suit and a tie. I hate suits and ties. If you haven't figured that out in the years that you've been going to church here, I'll wear a blazer in a heartbeat, but not a big fan of suit and ties. But getting all dressed up and greeting people as they come in, and sooner or later he trades his life for the life of a young man caught on a, a ledge on a cliff um, on, on the rocks in the shale. And uh, Kentucky Rose ends up dying and um, big funeral and everybody comes and it's an amazing thing. But there it is. And so that's what I used to think the church was all about. And then you read this story. I don't know what you think of when somebody says church and you're like, I know it's not the building, Joe. It's the people. What's the church supposed to be doing? Loving people, feeding people, casting out demons, demons uh, proclaiming the good news until Jesus comes. Yeah, I'm there. I'm great. But, but look at this. We've got this idea in our head somehow that it's still that and whatever somebody says to you, and you would be astonished at what people have said to me, but it's just like you just stand there and you take it and you grin and you bear it. And you, that's not the picture of the church in Acts chapter 5. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you see this thing, but we're looking at, at Peter and John getting out of jail, and then they're coming down, and then they're preaching the gospel, and, and here's the deal, and this is what's important in this story, is that Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira saw that people were getting some kind of an accolade. There had to be something that they wanted when people would come and make some announcement or pronouncement that, look, I brought all this money, and I sold this land. Pat me on the back. Give me a, 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 a little plaque for 
my, my chair. I, I always cringe when I go someplace and there's like pews. And it's like, this pew belongs to Elmer and Mildred, you know, Johnson. And they were here up until 1964. And, you know, here it is, 2022. And it's like, really? And it's like, yeah, but this is in memoriam. And I'm not against in memoriams. I'm just saying that people give and give and give. And they want this wing dedicated to their name. They want their loved one to have their name on this thing. And it appears that's what's going on. And so Ananias and Sapphira came in. They sold a piece of property and they were bringing the money. Why did they die and nobody else did? Because they lied about it. They clearly were not coming in and making an offering to God. They were coming in looking for the esteem that comes from being somebody. I would say that, uh, and remember, it said from time to time, not every single weekend, from time to time. But I would say that there was a fairly wealthy community here that was bringing some resources in and they were laying it at the feet of the church and they wanted some accolades and, and, and they wanted some say and some whatever. And, and we've been there as a church. Somebody wanted the church to do this, that, and the other thing. And when I said, hey, you know, that's not who we are. We're not going to do it. The first thing out of their mouth was, do you know how much I give to this church? And I want you to know, no, I don't. I do not know how much you give to this church. And I'm not going to find out and I don't want to know. That's between you and God. But the idea was, I give so much, you should let me do whatever I want with this building during the week. And it's like, wow, that's not who we are. That's not what's going on. But that's what Ananias and Sapphira was doing. Here's the deal. Ananias and Sapphira did not need to give all the money to Peter and John, to the disciples. They didn't. They could have sold the two acres, the five acres of land for $85,000 and come in and said, listen, we sold this piece of property. We're going to give you $50,000. They could have done that. That's, it. that, that's what, what Peter was trying to get across to them. Wasn't the land yours before you sold it? And when you sold it, wasn't the money yours? Then why are you lying about it? See? Because instead, they came in and said, yeah, we got $50,000 for the land, so we're giving you all of it. Do you see that? Look, we gave it all. And clearly, there was an expectation of some sort of an accolade that was going on there. So real quick, they clearly were, there were clearly some of the more wealthy people, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. Remember, this is a time in history when you were not allowed to keep somebody's coat overnight according to the law of israel because they needed their coat if they if they needed a dollar from you and you said give me your coat my brother when i graduated from bible college gave me a mont blanc pen i don't know if you know what that is and please don't be impressed by it it's a beautiful pen but don't be impressed it's, at the end of the day it's just a pen okay it writes okay that's not the way i used to take care of it i used to take care of it it was my pen it was my gift. One time I loaned it to somebody and they dropped it. And it shattered the little Mont Blanc on top. It cost $25 to replace. And I had to send the pen to, to the East Coast. It was like, are you kidding me? Oh my word. But people used to say, hey pastor, can I, can I borrow your pen for a second? I say, yeah, give me your driver's license. And they say, ha 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 ha. And I say, no, I'm serious. Give me your driver's license. And they're like, what? I said, give me your wallet then. I'm going to hold your wallet while you hold my pen because I know you'll run off with my pen because you won't be thinking about giving it back to me. And I want my pen back. 
Okay, it was a gift from my brother, and it's a nice pen, and I like it. Well, in Jewish history, there was a time when if you needed some money because the poor were really poor, they weren't just people that only could afford um, an Android. I mean, they actually could afford an iPhone, okay? It's like, oh my, I mean, the poor couldn't. And, and so they, they, they were looking for food. And they would actually give their coat to borrow money to go have food to eat. Saying that you could hold my coat as a promise that I'll pay you back. And the law said, listen, these people are so poor you can't keep their coat overnight. They'll freeze. You can't do that. And so this is the world we're in when there's people wealthy enough to sell land and bring it in. And the bottom line is, and I've made a big point of this, but the bottom line is, Ananias and Sapphira didn't have to give all the money. Clearly, they gave enough money so that they could get enough attention from the leaders so that, you know, people would pat them on the back and give them some attaboys. B, they saw the people being recognized for their giftings. Barnabas sold a piece of property, brought it in, gave it to the disciples, and they clearly were after the esteem of the people. They clearly were after the esteem of the church people. They needed everybody to know that this wing of the new church was built by grandma. By grandma's money. You ever seen somebody driving around with a car, and on the back of the car, it, it says on the back of the car, it says, um, um, in memory of, like, did grandpa leave you enough money to buy that truck? Or I, 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 Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean and nasty. I, I don't understand how to understand that. You know, it's like, I, listen, I love my grandparents. I, absolutely. But are you driving in memory of them? Are you owning it in memory of them? Did they pay for it in memory? I'm not sure what that is. But we're in a world of people that want that. And as I read this story and as I look at what's going in, I see that they wanted, uh, they were in a world of wealthy people, relatively speaking. They saw people being recognized. They wanted the esteem of church people because they lied to God. I don't know how you get around this. And, and please feel free to interact with me. The church killed them. I mean, Peter and John were there and they said, hey, listen, is this what you did? And they said, yes. And they said, well, then the, 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 they're going to carry you out of here dead. And pfft, you fell over dead, and away they went. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with that as a Christian person who hears Jesus telling us to love our enemy. But I'm, I'm looking at what it means to be community, and it's like, wow, this is crazy. This thing was so dramatic that the Scripture says people refused to join them. That word join means that there was a membership in the church back then. There was an actual membership, okay? There's a lot more going on in this than just uh, being a doormat and rolling over. Clearly, the church is not here to establish a physical kingdom, make a nation, have a capital, and all that. that. That's coming when Jesus comes back. But it's like, wow, the power of God when the church body gathers and not to kill people. I'm not, I mean, that happened, but I'm not saying, hey, let's think about who we could want. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm just saying, the power of God when church people come together. It's like, are you kidding me? All things said and done, does church community matter? Sure it does. 
because people would not join them and other people would come close and they would, they would go to the church, but they wouldn't join the church as a result of Ananias and Sapphira and what was going on. And so we look at this thing. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews not to forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing. When he was um, in Capernaum um, near the gates of hell, the temple of Pan, um, and then uh, the, the other Roman temple was there, Jesus said that I'm going to build my church based upon this confession of faith, and the gates of hell, meaning this, worship, this um, pagan religion, will not be able to stand up against it, will not persevere. But he said he's going to build the church together. And so what does it mean for you and I to seek first the kingdom of God? and to build the church community. It means that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, He is the Lord, and He is the Savior of the world. It means we believe that. It means when Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven, it means that we believe what He said. We believe it so much that we share it, not in an antagonistic way, not as a rock, but as an invitation to people to understand and to come to know Jesus. So we believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Savior of the world, but... We need to ask ourselves, does it mean that I'm trying to follow his teachings or do I only follow the teachings of Jesus that make sense to me personally, that I can rationalize? Think about it for a second. The teachings of Jesus have got to be so important to you and I. It means that we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit for the good of the whole community, but does it mean that we're using our gifts for the whole community? Are you using the gifts that God has given you? Your, your musical, your vocal, your teaching, your um, um, administrative, your um, whatever that gift might be. Are you plugging your gift into your community? Are you being community? It means that you and I have each other's back. But here's the deal in, our, in the world today, not just at the vineyard. It means that we have each other's backs. But do we even know each other? Do we even know each other? See, small groups gives us a chance to know each other. That's why they are so critically important, because they build community. And so we need to be... Does it mean that um, when we have each other's back that we're spurring each other on toward Jesus, or are we just walking together doing whatever we want? Number four, it means that we follow a common cause. But do we invite people to church? Do we invite people to small group at our homes? And finally, it means that we're headed to heaven, but here's the deal. Are we traveling together? Are we traveling together? Yeah, we show up in the same building, but are we traveling together? Can we agree that this is more important than anybody else's opinion? Can we agree that regardless of what the government says, this has got to be the way that we live our lives? Can we agree, with all due respect, because a lot of times Granny got it right, but regardless of what Granny said, that we'll go back and say, but this is what Jesus said. Can we agree that we're not going to say, well, my Bible says, because your Bible says the same thing my Bible says. <laughs> it does. There are some things that are absolutely crucial to you and I. Do we care about being where Jesus is? Is that what it means in the community? See, the things we do, we do because Jesus called 
us to them. At the, at the parable of the, uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus makes the statement that, uh, you know, when the, uh, that um, those who keep his teaching will be like the man who built his house on the rock. The storms came, the winds blew, and, and the rains came, and the house stood firm. Um, and then uh, he, he talks about the guy that builds his house on the sand, and the storm comes, blows it away. It, it's devastated, and it's terrible. And we need to be building on the rock. So we need to be looking back to the Word and say, I, I know it doesn't make sense to me, and I know rationally, hypothetically, I don't think. No, no, no. What matters is, I know, but what did Jesus say? Because that's the only thing that we have to offer. It's not a rock to throw at people. The only thing I have to offer is, when people come in, is to say, know God, then you will know peace. And it's not a rock, and, and you, like, you don't have to do it. But we all will face hurricanes. It rains on the just, it rains on the unjust. It rains on the righteous, it rains on the sinners. But God is with us. In the book of Galatians, chapter 6, the Scripture says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's that word, belong. Because belonging matters. I literally was sitting at home on the couch. Jack was up here doing Jack really well. And he was just like preaching and, and he said something about caring for the people in our community and not overlooking them. And I had this picture of literally standing here and looking over to Richmond out there. And then my phone went beep and it said, so-and-so's house burned down. They have nothing. And so while Jack is preaching, still live, still audibly, I was watching the 930 service, um, I began to interact with this family that you blessed the living daylights out of. You did. It was amazing. But here's the deal. That was community. That's why it's important that we belong to each other. That's why we need to be connected. Because we don't always know what one person's going through in here. We don't know what you're struggling with. We don't know about the loss of a job. We don't know about a miscarriage. We don't know about a financial burden that came up. We don't know about your, your, your mom or your dad died. We don't know that somebody that's very close to you got sick. We don't know unless we're in community with one another. And community can be scary because it means accountability. It means carrying our fair share of the load. It means being able to get in there and teach the children and greet people at the door. It means saying, hey, I've got an idea. How about if we start um, feeding people? It says, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Belong is a big word for membership. Are you a member? Have you been coming here for so long, but yeah, I'm not really big on membership. You know the church was big on membership? Jesus built it to be big on membership. I just shared it with you from Acts chapter 5. There were people that wouldn't join them because the church was scary sometimes. Can we say the church is scary sometimes? It is. You know why? It's full of people. I laughingly say that before I graduated Bible college, I told my wife, we didn't have any kids at the time, I'm going to graduate from Bible college, and I wore cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, and we're going to move to Montana, and we're going to plant a church, and we're not going to let anybody be in it. 
Because I don't want church problems. I don't want people saying I'm doing it wrong. You hurt my feelings. You got me some church hurt. You did this. You did that. I know what that's like. It's like, that's what we're going to do. Well, that's not what we did, clearly. But it's like, no. We need to be in community with one another. Belonging. And I believe that today God is calling you out and He's saying it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to stop and say, you know what, I need to be involved. I need to be plugged in, serving my community of faith. Even if I don't understand it, it's a little scary. It's time to stop hanging around the fringes and start saying, what can I do? Paul tells the church, it's time to do your thing. Whatever your thing is, we need to find a place for you to do it. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anybody thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one, and this is the important part, each one should test their own actions, meaning look at your relationship to Jesus. Then take pride in yourself alone without comparing yourself to anybody else. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing or gets to do. It's okay. And here you go. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction, it goes on to say, but it's just the idea that everybody carries their fair share of the load. Everybody plugs in. Everybody serves. Everybody gets excited about church. Everybody's like, yes, I believe. Everybody wants their friends and their family that are not going to church to join them in church because God wants to speak to them and do something in their lives. Membership means we know who we can count on, not with words, but with deeds. Plug in, participate, pray for, and provide for. And I just want to say, man, you guys plugged in well last night, or last week. Man, you participated well last week. You pray well, and you provided generously for this family. And as they uh, get their feet back underneath of them, we'll give them opportunity to share with you what that meant. But think about it. Is it time for you to plug in, to get plugged in? As a church, our miss- mission is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ will not give you purpose until you make your purpose the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The gospel of Jesus Christ will not give you purpose until you make your purpose the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you start living it out on a regular basis when you wake up, saying no to sin, saying yes to inviting people, loving people, praying for people, getting outside of your comfort zone, going the extra mile, giving the extra dollar, reaching out to the hurting people around you that make you uncomfortable. That's when you're going to start seeing the purpose unfold in your life. You can go to church and still live far from Jesus, but you can't draw near. That's our word for this year. You can't draw near um, to Jesus and not be the church. So membership is important to you and I. It's important that we belong. It's important that we're together. It's important that we know each other. It's important that God is doing something through all of us, not some of us. And it's important that all of us will leave here and have the opportunity to interact with somebody this week 
that we get to invite to church. If that's all it is, I would encourage you to share your testimony with them. Find a way to, you know, work it in there a little bit. It's a good thing. I would encourage you to do that. But at the very least, invite them to your small group or to, to church. Because in 2022, I want to make a difference in Madison County. I want to see people's lives changed. I want to see people growing in their relationship to Jesus in the Word, not what they want the Word to say, but what the Word actually says. Because it will change your life into a life you never dreamed of. Is he safe? No, he's not safe. Is he good? He's proven it to me over and over and over again. God is good. Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life. This isn't one of those things where we say, so if you want to join the church, come up here. These people want to pray. For That's not what we're doing today. Okay. What we are doing is we're facing 2022. Maybe it's a surgery. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe something that you're just like, I'm not really sure of how I'm going to get through this. Can we pray for you this morning? Maybe it's a physical ailment. Let's begin to believe that God wants to heal our physical bodies like they did thousands of years ago, and let's start doing that. We'll pray 100,000 times if we have to, to see one person healed, because it beats not praying at all and seeing nobody healed. I want my hope back that God wants to change your life. Let's pray. Father, who is God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for who you are and what you're doing. We thank you for the blessing of knowing you, of loving you, of being there for you. We thank you and praise you for the joy that's ours because of what's going on, Lord. We just ask and pray that you continue to do the things that you want us to do, God. Not the things that we want to do. Oh, God, make it, make it clear to us what we can do in Central Kentucky. Make it clear to us so that we can write it down and run with it. Make it clear to us so that in an every, uh, just an overwhelmingly joyful fashion, God, we have the, the privilege of introducing people to you and seeing their lives change in incredible ways. God, I pray for marriages today. Put them back together. I pray for wayward children today. Bring them home. I pray for finances today. Restore them, God. I pray for jobs. Give them a better one. I pray, God, that we will open up our eyes and let you be God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go into this closing song, but if you're watching online, I just want you to know in the lower right-hand corner at vineyardrichmond.com, there's a thing that says request prayer, and we would love to pray for you as well. So if you just want to click that button, let us know how we can pray for you. Somebody will immediately, you don't have to write something and send it. Somebody will immediately interact with you and it'll be awesome. And they'll pray for you this morning as well. Let's come to our feet.